Debra, let's play a game. I'm up for a game. All right. I just thought of a new game. It's called Find, Make, or Mend. And I want you to share with me something you either found recently, made, or mended, gave a little bit of new life to. So Debra, find, make, or mend. Okay. Actually, I'm excited about this because I have a good one. Uh, I just last week found, do you know what a cabana set is? A men's cabana set? No, but I can guess. All right. So I'm guessing some sort of Hawaiian button-down shirt and maybe matching trunks or shorts. You've got it. Exactly. So I found this piece, which is like the holy grail of vintage where it's never been worn. Like, I always want to know, what are they thinking? Like, why didn't they wear it? Just sat in a, in a closet? I just need to know. But um, no, it's this beautiful sort of tie-dyed blue and light blue and white men's button-down shirt. And then there's matching swim tr- trunks that go with it. And it's so lovely. And it's from uh, Robinson's Department Store which later turned into Robinson's May. And my guess is it's probably late 60s, early 1970s. Like it's something picture like Malibu Kendall would wear. It, okay. Very excited about it. I, it's funny. I don't generally deal with men's vintage, but when I see something like this, like I know to just purchase it and, and work with it. I love that. That's awesome. What about you? I haven't been doing a lot of shopping lately, just, you know pandemic and all. But my last outing, I found a, I'd say 70s jumpsuit. And the reason I have to guess is that there's no tag. So as with a lot of vintage, the tag's been cut out. Uh, But it's the material, the some of the stitching and, and just the general style that makes me pretty confident that I'd say, I'd say 70s. And it's this light purple, lavender, cotton candy colored jumpsuit it's not my usual style at all I'm not sure if I'm going to be keeping it or if it's destined for the Etsy shop just because the legs don't fit quite right so it's great in the bust great in the waist but the upper thigh area is a little tight on me like the actual booty area fits but it's my thighs that are a little too big for it that's a bummer like there's no seam allowance in the in the thigh uh, it just seems like quite a big project because I'd have to split it all the way from the bottom of each leg all the way basically up to the crotch and re-sew it. And I always get nervous when it's that big of a project because I want to make sure I – people have different schools of thought when it comes to vintage and alterations. Sure. But for something like this, I want to maintain the integrity of the leg shape. It's very much – reminds me of a Liza Minnelli Studio 54 moment, and I don't want to lose that by trying to – force it to fit me so I got to think on it a little bit more Um, but either either you're gonna see me in it or I'm gonna pass it along to somebody else no I understand but like that's a perfect example of just being really specific when you do sell that just mention say it's a little snug in the you know if you have like fuller thighs like be warned yeah yeah and what a great segue into our topic for the day I'm Rachel I'm Deborah, and this is very vintage Today, we are going to be talking about our top tips for online shopping. So no matter where you are in the world right now, except for maybe New Zealand, if it is still 2020 and you're listening to this podcast, there is probably some degree of pandemic-related lockdown going on in your area. And that is forcing us out of the thrift stores, out of the vintage boutiques, away from the flea markets, estate sales, consignment shops, 
and exclusively online. So I'm known to do a little bit of online shopping here and there, whether I'm looking for a really specific piece or just browsing around. And the thing about buying vintage is that it's not like buying regular clothes. One of the reasons that I love it. However, you can't just go exchange a dress for a size bigger or a size smaller. A lot of times you can't even exchange or return the garment at all. So you have to be really careful when you're buying online. And today we are going to be giving you our top tips. We've got six great tips for you. So if you are someone who is in the market for vintage clothing and you're going to be buying it from an online vendor, stay tuned. So top tip number one, I'm going to go ahead and turn that to you, Deborah. I can't stress this enough. Please carefully read over the description of the item. Don't skim because you might miss some important information regarding imperfections in the garment or maybe the way it fits. One of the reasons I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, Deborah, is that not only are you a buyer, but you're also a seller. So you've got a lot of experience, especially on Etsy selling. And when a buyer sends you a question that was already clearly in the item description, does that bother you? Actually, not at all. No, I'm happy to answer any questions because before you buy the item is the time to ask the questions. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to help ascertain whether something's going to fit or not. I mean, sometimes I have to tell this, I'm so sorry, I don't think this is going to work for you. But I'd much rather do that than to have somebody buy something and then be disappointed. And, you know, in most cases, uh, a lot of the Etsy sellers don't offer returns. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the worst thing is like, you know that someone's disappointed. So I, I try to keep that from happening. So yeah, please feel free to message me because I, I'd love to I actually kind of like, um, I, it feels good to help somebody because you kind of get an idea of who they are and you feel a little more connected to them. Um, through messaging. I have been selling off and on on eBay for since 2000, the year 2000. I was quite young when I got my first eBay account. In fact, I think it's still linked to my parents' home phone number. And so I didn't really start selling until I was, I'd say, like a teenager, all through high school and college. And then I, I've come away and gone back to it. Uh, but Etsy is definitely the gold standard, I, I think, and a little bit eBay for vintage clothes. You can sure. sort of find some on Poshmark and Depop. But I have seen a huge rise in sellers using Facebook and Instagram to sell. And that's that's always a little tricky because there aren't some of the rules and regulations. But I did, uh, so I, I recently made this mistake about not carefully reading an item description. I was on an auction website, so not eBay, just a smaller auction website. And there was a white dress that's not my usual style, a 1970s piece. But I thought, you know, it could be fun for the summer. This was in the spring. And I bought this dress. I was sitting, waiting, watching for the bids to go up. And nobody ended up bidding on the dress. And so I thought, eh, for 20 bucks, I'll, I'll bid on it. So I bought the dress. Comes in the mail. And I was so excited. You know, happy mail. Gotta love tearing it open. And I opened the dress up. So cute from the front, flip it over, and there was a huge brown stain on the back. Oh, my God. I was really disappointed, and I furiously went, and I went to the item description, and I was like, this is some BS, and I'm going to message the seller, because this is a seller I bought from a lot. Like, I'm I'm a regular client of this woman, and I thought, all right, I, I got to figure out what's going on here. This is unacceptable. And as I looked through the description, it clearly said, there's a stain on the back of the dress, and worse than it being in the description it was in one of the photos too i have no idea how i missed it in your excitement in my excitement i was excited i was like oh you know um i don't know if you've watched the show schitt's creek but it sort of reminds me of something that alexis rose would wear no i'm not familiar with that oh man you got to check out the show you, you'd love it the, the mother moira amazing fashion there's a lot of good headwear in there too 
Um, so very, very heavy on the, the fashion choices. Anyway, I took the dress and I was so dejected by the situation. I just kind of tossed it in my mend pile, my giant pile of things that need repair or, or some love. And I didn't touch it again until probably September. So way past the time to wear a white dress. And I'm happy to report that I gave it an initial soak in my magic potion of what I soak all of my vintage clothes in when I first get them. Uh, we'll we'll share there all of our tips and tricks for getting stains out on another episode. But just after one soak, I'll, I'd say about 80% of the stain came out. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So not all is lost. And, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll use a couple of my other tricks on it. But I'm, I'm sure I'll get that stain out in time to wear it for next summer. I mean, to, to me, like my problem solving brain is going, okay, so is there, is it in a place where you could maybe make a seam that will avoid the stain or can you add some lace or something decorative in an intentional way that covers the stain? Not quite. And, and the way the stain looks, it almost looks as if someone wore the dress to a picnic and like slid, it's not a grass stain, it's definitely like dirt but it, it definitely goes down the back of the dress in a way that's mm, I see. not not able to. But like I said, it's mostly out at this point, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. That's awesome. No, I get it. One of the most crucial things about buying clothes online is getting the sizing down, getting the fit down. Because unlike fast fashion or other online boutique shopping, you can't just go pick out the next size. So when right. it comes to vintage... You absolutely have to get the measurement down. And that is our top tip number two, measure, measure, measure. Right. I mean, never assume that a vintage size equates a modern size. Vintage sizes in most cases will fit differently than a modern size garment of the same size. Um, So they can seem like a size or two or maybe even a little bit more smaller than a modern item, even in the case of small, medium, large. So always defer to the garment's measurements, not the size label to determine if a garment's going to fit properly. Oh, really? So it's small, medium, and large are different in vintage as addition to the number sizes? Sometimes, yeah. You have to be careful. Yeah. Occasionally, I've found things when I've been shopping that also have a size that looks unfamiliar because it turns out it's a European garment. Sure. I mean, like if you if you look on Etsy, most of the sellers will say, please defer to the measurements and like trust that. That there's a reason for that. And I think something about vintage shopping that has really helped me just as a person is that it's made me have to get over the vanity of a letter size or a number size. Right. Because you just can't, right? You really, really have to. There's only likely one of this particular garment. Maybe you'll find another one later, but you really have to be honest with yourself or you're going to have a closet full of things that don't fit you. I mean, absolutely. Really, the important thing is to know your own body measurements. Whenever possible, have someone else measure your body to get an accurate measurement. And if you have to measure yourself, that's fine. But ideally, it's better to have someone else measure for you. And so when you're shopping online for, for clothes, especially vintage clothes, what do you think are the most important measurements to get down? The most, I think, relevant measurements are bust, waist, and hips. So with the bust, you want to measure while wearing, ideally, the bra you intend to wear with the garment. You want to measure with a soft measuring tape, starting at the bra line at the back. Bring that around to the center front, bust at the nipple line, and don't pull to dent the bra in. So like these are loose measurements. There's no point in making it tighter because then it's not an accurate measurement. Right. And the only person that you're fooling is yourself because you're going to get a garment that doesn't fit you. 
Exactly right. And I think it's really important that you mention a soft measuring tape. So something that you would see a tailor use or that you'd find at a fabric store, whether it's a paper soft measuring tape or a or fabric, or I've got one that's like a, a soft vinyl. You don't want to be using the construction type of measuring tape, the kind that, that's metal and it snaps when you when you pull it back in, because you're going to be bending any which way. And so you really want that soft type of measuring tape. Exactly right. So with the waist, you want to measure at your natural waist, which is generally the smallest part of your waist. Or you could think of it where you're kind of bending naturally. Like you want to maybe bend over to find that spot. Some people think of it as the belly, right at the belly button. So Deborah, I know you can't you can't see me, uh, but I've got my hands on my my waist and I'm bending right now. I was doing the exact same thing. I literally bent in half with my hand at my my waist. <laughs> so this is an. I'm going to add an abdomen measurement for somebody who's maybe a little bit fuller size. So in other words, some people um, might have a bigger abdomen measurement and so if you're in other words if you're if the lower if the your stomach your belly is a little fuller than your waist then you want to use that measurement because the waist measurement will not be accurate okay and so for hips what I like to do is measure nine inches down from that natural waistline or, or locate the fullest part of the hip measurement and again, don't pull the tape measure too tight. Don't indent. And if you're concerned at all, I would ask the seller to me- to re-measure the garment nine inches down from the waist because not everybody knows that nine inches down measurement. You know, they just sort of eyeball it. But to me, nine inches is kind of the fullest part. Okay. And so when I think about things that don't fit me, pieces that I've bought that I end up not wearing because something's not right, it almost always comes down to the shoulders for me. So if the shoulder's too tight, I feel like Chris Farley, the fat man in the little coat, and I'm worried about busting open my jacket. And if the shoulders overextend over my natural shoulder line, I feel like I'm I'm a little kid wearing my parents' clothes. And I just, that's something that doesn't really work for me. So what are your recommendations for making sure someone gets that shoulder measurement correct? So the shoulder measurement, you almost really have to have, it's almost impossible to measure your own shoulders and get it accurate. So you want someone to measure you from behind and it's like shoulder to shoulder, right? Right where the shoulder starts to to curve down where your arm starts and measure from that point. Oh, that's so interesting. So you're measuring from the back because this is, this would explain why I've had so many failures of purchases because I always measure kind of across my, my neckline, my, that part of my shoulder. So it should be from the back. Yeah. Because it, really what's happening is like from the front, your bust is involved and it could be, you know, you're adding a little fullness, which is not in the flat part of your back. Oh my goodness. All right. Learn something new every day. You do. What about some other measurements? What are some other things that we should really be thinking about? Arm length is important. Oh yeah. If it's, you know, something with long sleeves. So you want to measure from the top of your shoulder to your wrist. If you have fuller arms, you may ask the seller for a bicep measurement. It's something that they don't normally include. You know, a lot of times with vintage garments, the armholes and sleeves are often smaller than modern garments. Again, so measure for for you, you want to measure at the fullest part of the middle top, middle of top of your arm. Okay. And with an armhole, again, if you have fuller arms, if you have slender arms, it's probably not an issue. But if you have fuller arms with the armhole, you want to... On your best fitting garment, something that you have that fits you nicely, you want to measure along the circumference of the armhole at the seam on the inside of the garment. Got it. Yeah. And I'm quite short. And so I always need to ask for 
especially on skirts and dresses, the length of the skirt. So whether it's kind of from wherever the waist is, just because I need to know, is it hitting me at my knee, at my calf, at my ankle? Because that really makes a big difference depending on where you intend to wear that dress. Right. Do you often alter your skirts if they seem too long for your frame? I used to, and that's something I don't do anymore. I've got this red 1970s. I feel like everything I've got now I'm talking about is 1970s. I got a lot of stuff from Mm -hmm. the 70s. So it's this really amazing brand that I love. It's Karen of Chicago, C-A-R-O-N, Karen of Chicago. They've got this really cute label. It's got a rose on it. And I love this dress. It's a graphic print really vibrant red. It's got white stitching, these big oversized white buttons, the oversized collar from that 70s buttons up the front. And it's got a white pattern all over it that says, I love you in lots of different languages. Wow, cute. And I love to wear it when I travel, especially if I'm traveling internationally, because people will stop me and say, did you know that your dress says I love you in German or in Arabic or in Hebrew? So it's a it's a really fun dress because I feel like maybe pre-pandemic, people would stop me and, and talk to me about it. Well, it's a conversation piece. Exactly. And it just, I feel like it, it sort of spreads the message that I want out in the world when I'm traveling around. That's perfect. This dress I bought, I think when I was in college, I've had it for a long time. And it was always just a little too big for me. I feel bad, like two sizes too big for me. So too long, too big in the waist. And I took it to get it professionally altered. And the woman that I took it to you know, she took my measurements, she did all that. So she took in the waist a little. And then she took up the skirt proportionately to make it, I'd say about three inches shorter. And while it fits me quite well, and I still wear it all the time to this day, I have the piece of fabric. So she saved the the three or four inches of fabric that she cut off. And every so often I get this twinge of guilt that I wish, you know, depending on what country I go to, maybe I wish the skirt was a little longer. It it hits me like just above my knee. So it's, it's certainly not a mini dress or anything. But now I'm much more hesitant to shorten things and especially to shorten and cut. I would now looking back on that moment, I would have had her shorten it and sew it. And just keep the seam allowance. Right. Because the intention was like, oh, you can use that fabric for a headband or an accessory. And I didn't. I I feel so guilty that that swath of fabric is still just sitting in my scarf uh, box that I have. (sighs) Yeah, I I think that for me, I I don't shorten things anymore. And it's because that's not there have been a few other times where I've shortened things and it always ends up with me feeling guilty. Oh, that's so interesting. First of all, I really, I would encourage you to do something with that extra fabric. Like we can make a pretty headband or flowers or anything. So many things can be done with that. And then the other idea is you could probably just sew it back, you know, I mean, minus whatever amount for seam allowance, you know, half, like maybe a quarter inch and a quarter inch, you could probably get another two inches. It could be sewn right back on. That gives me an idea. What if I put a band of white in between the two pieces. Absolutely. So it's so stark. Because the pattern is so intense. It's got these big words on it that matching it back up would be a nightmare. No, what I'm imagining is just sewing it back up, not worrying too much about matching the design, but maybe put adding like a little zigzag or some kind of decorative trim over the seam line. So it'll look really intentional once you get it back on there. All right. I think I got another project. Yeah, I bet you could get a solid two inches out of it. All right. If not more. All right. So back to the topic at hand of measurements. But wait, I just have to say the reason I even asked you that question is because just this morning when I was on my way to the bank, I saw this lady, this petite lady, and it looked like she had sort of a 70s or 80s dress on. And it caught my eye and I was thinking, what a cute dress. And I, she had a smaller frame. So 
it kind of my eye went to the fact that it seemed too long proportionately for her and i thought to myself just for her frame it would look so much better if it was just like just a little bit under her knee instead of like it was sort of mid-calf on her so i just wonder like to me i'm all about like proportion or the way things look so it's funny you feel guilty from cutting into the fabric, but I'm just thinking in terms of proportion. Like I like the visually the way it looks when it's you know kind of more for it's altered for your body specifically. Yeah, I think I think that that's definitely something that can be a little tough to reconcile when you're dealing with this one of a kind garment. Yeah, it's yeah, it just depends. I guess what your what is your priority. So back to the topic at hand of measurement. Okay. Speaking of things that are often too long for me, pants and shorts. So once again, I am a short gal, and this is somewhere where I don't feel guilty making alterations. Is the hemline of pants and shorts because I feel like that is it's not subjective at all. Sure. Like there's a set rule for it. In other words, especially with pants, like the pants are supposed to hit your foot or your shoe in a certain way. Full stop. There's very little negotiation in there. Skirt length, there's a lot more options. So when measuring for pants and shorts, what do you recommend? Uh, Waist and hips are going to be really important. Again, with the waist, you're measuring at the natural waist, which is the smallest part, kind of belly button or where you're, you're naturally bending. The hips, again, nine inches down from the waistline. Or locate the fullest part of your hip and measure that. Um, Again, do not pull the tape measure in to indent in any way because it's not going to be accurate. And so for shorts and pants, the inseam and rise are going to be really important. So the inseam, uh, you'll want to, again, with if you want to just grab like a, a pair of one of your best fitting pants or shorts, measure from the inside of the crotch to the bottom of the garment. So that's giving you the length of it. And then with the rise, you again with using your one something that fits you well that you have in your wardrobe already, measure from the inside of the crotch to the top at the waist. Yeah, and you have a tip in here that I really love, and it's to ask the seller if the garment was pinned onto a dress form. So whether it was loose on the dress form or pinned in. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize, even about modern fashion, is that if you have ever been on a photo shoot, whether it's vintage, modern, they are clipping and pinning onto live models, not right. just mannequins. Exactly because right. that is why you get things and they look completely different from a shape perspective from what you saw on the model. Exactly right. Um, yeah, because I mean, even for myself, my mannequin's uh, pretty s- small, she's a small size. And sometimes I'll have something that's, you know, two, three sizes larger. And so I'm, I'm pinning like crazy in the back just to get it to kind of give a semblance of how it's going to actually look if it fit properly. So that's important to know. Is it pinned on the garment? Which, you know, and, and then what you could do. And then I always ask, what is, how big is your, what are the measurements of your mannequin? Because once you ascertain mm. whether it's been pinned and then the gar- the size of the mannequin, then you could just basically compare it to your own measurements. You go, okay, I think that'll work or maybe it won't work. Yeah. So that's why when whenever I'm taking photos to sell things online, what I try to do is I take a few photos either on myself, on someone else, on a mannequin where it's pinned to look the way that the garment is intended mm-hmm. to look. And then I always also include just a photo of the garment on a hanger, just it by itself so that you can really get an idea of what it looks like when you're going to receive it. Because that has caused some disappointment for me as well is that you get it and it's, or even sometimes I'll get a dress and it looks really boxy and terrible and then you zip it up and it's magic on you. So having that 
photo of exactly what to expect when you open your package, I think that does help manage expectations a lot. No, that, that's actually a good tip. That's something that I've not really done, but I'll consider doing that from, from this point. That is a good tip. So, Deborah, you see something, you've got to have it. You're taking the measurements and taking the measurements, and you're just not sure. Is it going to be a little snug? What do you do? You know, this actually, this is something that happened to me recently. So if you think the garment may be a bit snug, I personally would kindly ask the seller to take a photograph of the garment laying flat with, a, a, a again, soft measuring tape and just laying it across the garment that you know at the measurement that you're most concerned about this way you can see for yourself the actual measurement like I don't want to say that you know all sellers are incompetent but like recently I had someone measure a garment and it was two inches smaller than the actual measurement so in other words if you if you can see the image yourself you know it was let's say uh, at the bust it was from this issue that I had recently was at the bust measure from underarm to underarm the tape measure like in other words a picture is worth a, a thousand words right you see that it measures whatever number that you, you needed to um, because in this case the seller was two inches too short and two two inches is a lot when it's you know when it comes and it doesn't fit you properly and in the the buttons are you know but buckle there's like spaces it's it's pulling at the bus because it's too small so that was disappointing so that's what i would mm-hmm. do is ask the seller in a nice way if you would kindly just remeasure so I can see the, you know, the, the number measurement myself. Got it. All right. So tip number three also surrounds the question of fit, but it's that you really need to do two things. Consider the era and then consider the fabric. So why consider the era of the piece? So when I say era, I mean 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, and so on. And, and there's a few reasons why. Number one, is it true 50s or is it something like 80s does 50s? That happens a lot in vintage clothes where something has the silhouette of the 50s, but it was actually produced in the 80s. When you're considering these things, a lot of that comes down to undergarments. So people in the 50s tended to wear girdles all through the early 70s and beyond. You know, my grandmother wore a girdle daily her entire life, and and I wear one from time to time as well. I just like the way a girdle looks and feels. Uh, but, you know, if you're if you're wearing a, especially a 1960s pencil skirt, you better believe that there was some kind of shapewear going on. Right. So really consider what that woman may have been wearing. For example, I bought a 1950s dress. I put it on with my modern bra, the typical bra that I wear on a day-to-day basis. And I, I've noticed recently, I don't know what made me think about this, but modern bras give your boobs this round Barbie shape almost. Sure. I, I don't know if that's something that popularized in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, it's just the way clothes fit now. However, in the 50s, it was still much more of a natural breast shape, not quite the full-on bullet bra, but, you know, a different shape than that rounded. So I put the dress on with my modern rounded bra and it looked terrible. I just thought, oh, I'm going to have to alter the bust. I'm going to have to redo the straps. And then I went and got a bra that has a little bit more of that natural shape. And suddenly the bust fit great because my boobs were in the right place and the right shape. So really think about that kind of fit in terms of the undergarment when it comes to the era. The other reason era is important is because you have to consider the fabric. So is the fabric going to be stretchy? How do you care for the fabric? If you already own something in that fabric, think about the wear and tear on it. I bought this shirt, holy grail shirt, button down, black, 
plain, no pattern. I've been looking for a shirt like this for ages. Vintage with the pussy bow. I love a pussy bow shirt. And it's so hard to find them without an excessive pattern. But I got an all black one. I brought it on a work trip. I tested a little piece of it with an iron. I thought, okay, we're all good. And then I went to actually iron it, burn a hole straight through the, oh the shirt. Oh, my God. What happened? I don't know. I don't know what the shirt was made out of. But the minute I was talking to my cousin, I put the iron down on the shirt, and he just watched it disintegrate. Oh, Luckily, the burn mark is in such a place that when I tuck the shirt in, it's not that obvious. But really think about the material and what it's going to be like to care for. Also, when it comes to material and era, some eras, like in the 50s, things were pretty matte, lots of cottons. In the 60s, there was a whole lot more sheen and shine going on. And that's going to really impact where and when you can wear a garment. So the same dress in different fabrics could be more appropriate for work versus more appropriate for an evening dress. So really think about those kind of factors as you're making your purchase. One of the things that I um, kind of explain in, when I have an Etsy listing that's a bias cut, like so mm. the 1920s, there would have been a lot of bias cut dresses, which means that the garment was cut on a 45 degree angle of the fabric. So not the straight of grain, but on an angle. And it's it's lovely because it, it it's the, the bias has the greatest amount of give. So when you put it on your body, it sort of bends with you. It, it moves with you. You know what I mean? Um, so like the only way to, to get that these days is with stretch fabric, you know, which is, you know, it's great, but, um, there's something just so beautiful about a way a, a biased cut dress fits on the, on the human body. Oh, definitely. And I think that's one of my biggest gripes with modern fashion and especially fast fashion is that they're just turning pattern pieces any which way on the fabric to get out as many pieces as possible with no regard for what that's going to look like when you wash and dry the garment or even right. the way it lays on your body. I will not name the retailer, but I bought this dress. It's not vintage repro, like typical vintage repro, but it's a modern company that had a dress that had a vintage look to it. And I buckled and I bought it. I succumbed to the Facebook ad that was following me all over the internet and I bought this dress. I got it. I put it on. And it was shameful. The fit was shameful. I have no idea who the pattern drafter was or what they thought they could get away with. But the buttons just didn't fit right. The shoulders didn't fit right. And I realized, you know, every so often it's that siren song. You get lured into buying something, <laughs> especially right. especially if they're hitting you really hard with the ads on the Internet. And then I buy it and I realize this doesn't work for me. Top tip number four I'm going to give over to you, Deborah. Seriously, just ask questions. Please don't hesitate to message the seller for more details. The seller is happy to answer questions that will help determine if the garment will fit properly. Before you purchase is the time to ask questions, as many sellers do not allow returns. And I think a bonus tip in there is that if the seller is unresponsive or slow to respond, that is a red flag. So some people uh, abandon their Etsy shops for one reason or another, or I've seen it happen on Poshmark where the seller just goes MIA for whatever reason. Or sometimes they're on vacation even. Yeah, yeah. Right. So especially if it's something that you need for a special event, a birthday, uh, you're getting a gift, just message the seller. Even if you have to come up, just make up a question just to see if they're, you know, a present and available to, there to you answer go. And you. I think that it's important to note, especially with the rise of buying online, especially with social media, 
that there are differences in in groups, right? Instagram is a total free for all. I feel like with some sellers, you have to have their story notification turned on, their post notifications, and even then, you feel like you're never fast enough. I happen to love this group that I found on Facebook. It's called Ooh La La, and something that I really like about this group is that it has a very clear set of rules. The structure is there. Uh, it seems like it's a great community. And what I like is when you see something, instead of commenting that you're buying it, you comment interested, and then you get to ask questions. So you essentially comment interested to save your place in line. So you kind of you get first dibs. And then most sellers give you up to 24 hours to ask questions before they move on to the next interested person. So it gives you a moment to really stop, click through the pictures, take your measurements, ask the questions that you need, as opposed to there's nothing wrong with buying on Instagram or from a seller where you have to make that decision immediately. But I do like to take my time and really consider, especially the older I'm getting and the more I'm thinking about closet space, I'm thinking about my impact on the environment, the world, my collection. Am I really going to wear this or does someone else need to add this to their wardrobe? So there's a big difference between a wearable wardrobe and just being a collector. So I want to be really aware of that. Right. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I like this ooh la la group. But there are tons of different ways on Instagram and Facebook to find vintage for sale. So top tip number five. Plan for alterations. If you love a garment, but you fear it may be a bit snug, ask the seller if the garment has excess seam allowance. It's something that people don't always stop to think about. But the seam allowance is basically excess fabric on the inside of the garment from when it was originally made. And if there is seam allowance, then in most cases, a garment can be let out, in, which is basically part of the extra amount of fabric. So just make sure that you keep about half inch of seam or so, a little bit less maybe if, if needed. Ask if the garment has any stretch to it also. So some fabrics have quite a bit of give and others have zero. So that's something to to determine. Yeah. And I think that this is a really important thing. So in addition to the, the factoring that I do is, do I really need this? Am I really going to wear this? A really important question to ask yourself when you're buying, especially if it's online and you're making a decision in the heat of the moment, is Am I really going to put in the time, effort, and expense to alter this garment? So what do I need to do to make right. it wearable? Whether it's the cost of zippers, buttons, a garment is not a good deal if you're not going to wear it. So no matter what kind of a steal of a deal you get on something, if there is damage to it or a fit or size alteration that you either don't have the time to fix or you don't have the money to pay someone else to fix it, just skip it. It is not worth buying. Let it be somebody else's project. It's so true. Um, I, I kind of think of it where, am, am I going to go home right now and do this alteration? So I can, I'm just, am I so excited that I'm going to do this alter, alterations tonight and like wear it, you know, on this weekend? And if the answer is no, then I probably will leave it wherever I found it. So our final tip is one that doesn't have anything to do with fit, size, style. It's about your mindset when you are buying. So don't buy online when you are under duress. What do I mean by that? I mean to go in with a plan, especially if it is a high pressure situation, like an auction, or you see that notification pop up on Instagram and your favorite seller is having a flash sale. Make sure that you know what you need and what you want for your collection. So a few times a year, usually with the changing of the season, I go through everything. I go through all my clothes and I make a note of what I need to complete an outfit, 
what I would like one more of. Maybe it's a dress that's a really great silhouette on me or a style of shoe that I don't have that would work really well across several outfits. And I just, I write it on an index card and I hang on to it. And I also like to take the extra step and think about how much am I willing to pay for that item so that when the opportunity arises, I can make an informed decision about is it the right fit for me and my collection and does it fit in my budget? Because anytime that I've gotten wrapped up in the moment and maybe paid a little bit more than I was hoping to, I always end up really disappointed. I mean, that's that's a that's something to think about. Yeah, because I feel like when I when something comes and I feel like it costs more than I anticipated, then I'm instantly looking for something wrong with it. A snag here, a stain there. And let's be honest, these clothes that we're looking for 30, 40, 50, 100 years old, there's going to be something wrong. Right. Right. If I was into pristine, I would either custom make everything from scratch or only buy new. And so a piece of advice I got when I was a, you'll love this, Deborah. I was a sneaker collector. I don't, I don't, I still have a lot of pairs of sneakers, but I used to love buying 80s and 90s, uh, Nikes, Reeboks, Pumas. I have a, a pair of hand-painted 1982 Reeboks that are, are quite my prized possession. And it was that you will get another opportunity to buy something. So when you see something come up, even if it is your holy grail, the thing you've always been searching for, if it is out of your budget, it is not your holy grail. It will come back around. So whether it is a similar garment or the exact same one, maybe it's the same dress in a different color or a similar style uh, in that pattern that you love, let it go and it will come back. Because if you push it and you end up overpaying, you're not going to love it the same way. You're always going to have that bitter taste of what you paid for it on the back of your mind every single time you wear it. That is a good point. Yeah. And when you're buying be really careful about extra fees. So if you are buying things from a a seller that is, so Etsy is great because everything is out there in the open, all the fees are accounted for, shipping, tax, all of that. eBay is really good about that too. That's one of the reasons eBay got so famous and popular as an auction site is that they were really upfront about what things cost. So usually at auctions, it's customary to pay something called a buyer's premium. And a buyer's premium can be a few percentage points or it can be, I've seen upwards of 28%. So if you are buying a real showstopper piece that maybe has been on your list for a long time and you're spending $100 or more, that 28% is going to really sneak up on you, plus taxes, plus shipping. So really take some time to consider all the angles before you make a decision and don't get swept up in the moment. Exactly. You will get another opportunity to buy or own that garment, whatever that looks like for you. So to recap our top tips, always carefully read over the description. Measure, measure, measure. Consider the era and the fabric when buying. Just ask questions. Seriously, it's way better to do it before you buy. Plan for alterations and repairs. And finally, don't buy under duress. Make sure your head's in the right place before you make that buying decision. With that, this concludes our very first Very Vintage podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm Deborah. And Deborah, where can we find you when you're not on the podcast? Well, you can find me on my Etsy shop at Millinery ETC. You can also find me on Facebook and my website, also Millinery ETC. And Instagram is Deborah Shirley 1111. And you can find me on Etsy, Rachel Street Vintage. 
You can also find Very Vintage Podcasts across all social media platforms. We're most active on Instagram. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and most other major podcast platforms. We're brand new, so if you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. And if you've got some helpful feedback or a topic you'd like us to cover, DM us on Instagram at Very Vintage Podcast. We'll be back soon with our top tips, deep dives, and all things very vintage. Thank you for listening.